Sometimes the best way to understand our society and culture is to take a deep dive to find our peace of mind. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Lost in the Groove. This is Peace of Mind. Uh, today, today, we're going to be talking about weirdos and freaks. So, uh, by definition, uh, when we look at the word freak, it's like an abnormal behavior. Uh, it's where, you know, you, you lose control to a certain extent. And then you take the word weird. Where it's, where you're trying to describe something, you're like, oh, that's weird because of what the person is doing or the scenario that it's in. And the thing about weirdos and freaks as people, we tend to like to judge people that stand out. This can be in sports. Um, it can be in arts. It could be in a lot of different things. It could be in schools and houses, um, in communal gatherings. But I think the problem is, is not that they stand out, but where people have this fear. They have this horrifying fear in them. They're afraid of this person, deep down. That's what it is. Well, I think they're afraid. Of, I think it depends on what the person is doing. But I think a lot of the time the fear comes from that person reflecting, like especially when we're talking about more creative ways of looking at this, the concept, the fear is more representative of like the person expressing a part of themselves that the person who is afraid of them is afraid to express. Take like, uh, you know what? I, you know what? Let's just give an example, right? Just for hypothetical reasons, we take five different types of people. We put them in a movie theater to watch 2001 Space Odyssey, okay? We have two people there that are conservative, okay? They're conservative-minded thinking individuals, completely on that side. We have two individuals that are left-wing, and they're completely on that side. And we have one person that's independent, so one person that's kind of on either side. And you take these five people and you have them watch this entire film. And you ask the liberal people their opinion. Not the, sorry, uh, the, the left-wing and liberal um, opinion. You ask um, what's their thoughts in the movie. Then you take the conservatives or the right-wing and ask them their thoughts. And then you ask the person that's independent. What I'm trying to get at is the, the three groups are going to give you different answers based on what they've been taught and how they've been raised. That type of fear that I'm talking about, it's not a fear of you're terrified of the person because they're going to kill you. It's a fear of you weren't raised with that. You weren't raised to see a guy putting his dick into a woman's vagina and have a red light flashing down, and that's in a movie with like a 1920s song. <laughs> it's just weird to somebody that never grew up with that. That's the... the well, it's not even just not growing up with it, though. It's also right. being taught that that is somehow wrong. 
Like when you're taught that something is wrong and then you see it being demonstrated very clearly and very casually, I think that's probably one of the biggest factors of people kind of seeing it as something that's frightening is it if it's casual. Like when somebody is just casually, you know, this is a little bit less common now, but but it used to be a lot more so. It's like somebody's just like casually being gay, casually being queer, casually in drag, casually, you know, whatever. It's casually doing the thing. Like, like it's not a big deal. It's not for performance. Like when I was a teenager, I used to dress up all crazy. I mean, I still dress pretty crazy, but like I know I'm, I'm, I'm. I used to dress like very, very like extreme kind of gothy, weird head. Like there's like lots of. Uh, I made a lot of my own clothes and jewelry and stuff, and lots of spikes with the and, safety, and with the safety pins. Oh no, I I was I did like I was like making you know leather harnesses and because nice. I was vegetarian, but like leather harnesses and uh, and like I would buy you know hardware from the hardware store and make these like really crazy like extremely long uh, spiked um, pieces of hardware jewelry and people loved it but people also didn't know what to do with it but the thing was today's podcast is sponsored by authority car mods a mod shop which i personally use for all my car needs from my custom modifications to my vehicle general maintenance tire repair and discount pricing these guys do great work and their prices are literally killing the competition. Located here in South Florida, in West Coral Springs, right off the Sample Road exit, not only are they super accessible, but open late nights with appointments. So don't wait. Follow them on Instagram at authority underscore car underscore mods, or call their office line, which is 954 798 and book your spot now. Here, like, if I was going to play a show with my band, people were like, oh, cool, you're performing. And there was like this, this like, oh, this is okay. This is a box that we understand. This person is a musician, this person is an artist. They're going to go play with their band. That's why they're dressed crazy. There's a reason. Like, when, when there's a reason why the person is doing this crazy thing, it makes sense. You're in right. a show, you're in yes. a performance. Yeah. But when you're like, no, I'm just going to meet up with my friends or no, I'm just, this is just what I look like. That's when people get nervous because it's the normalcy. It's making that kind of craziness normal. Like anything is okay. If it's in a performative way, if you give it a box of understanding and put it into the confines of something that is digestible to like the mass population, then it's all good. But as soon as you take it outside of that box and it becomes something that is like day-to-day life like you're just hanging out with your friends looking like a weirdo or you're just hanging out with you know you're just going to the coffee shop dressed with a four inch hardware screw spike collar like and the red that's kinky when boots. things get strange yeah exactly and the red yeah you're the red kinky boots. yeah 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 like if you're if you're if you're dressed like that just casually that's when people get uncomfortable I, it's, it's funny it's funny you mentioning bands because I had this weekend uh, yesterday. I went to a record shop downtown Fort Lauderdale, and I went into the place, and they're actually like moving in a couple of weeks. <coughs> anyway, I walk in there and I, you know, I ask the guy, I'm like, "Do you have any Ramones albums? You know, from my vinyl record collection?" And uh, he said, "No, we're we're completely sold out." It turns out I just bought out one record, and I walked up there and I said to him, "I'm like, you know, it's kind of strange." You know, um, 
the Ramones is is a band that you know they they were kind of like put on they're the rug like nobody bought Ramones albums and like now they're just selling out like crazy and he said to me he said it's it's like when the water moves he said that people are finally seeing the truth behind it why am I giving this as an example you have a band of people like you were in a band of people they they had a mission like the Ramones mission was they they wanted to do this like this was their job it was part of their art it was part of their creativity they wanted to create a fast, bluesy, punk sound. And they kept to it for years. But what I think made the Ramones so popular is because of their weirdness. They were yeah. a weird group of four people. Like, no offense uh, to Joey Ramone. He sounds like a freaking monkey that had like a, you know, like winded up, you know, in the back. And he has like a squeaker in there. Like... He just has a weird voice, but again, like you were saying, like the the way that they look, the way that they sound, the way that they presented themselves, there it's weird and sometimes freaky, but that's again, that's how they're expressing. Well, but it's also like, I mean, okay, so like for Fuzzy Bunnies of Death, my band was called the Fuzzy Bunnies of Death. We're still on Spotify and we have a few videos on YouTube, but sadly, this band. Our last show we played was in like 2014. And I think I was one of the only people to have a smartphone with a camera at the time. So unfortunately, a lot of our stuff was on mini TV and it's probably somewhere in in a box somewhere in storage at the singer's house. <laughs> I have no idea. We want, we want to uncover it, but there's, there's, there's very little, there's very little video re- reference of a band that started in 2003 and went until 2014. Um, Unfortunately, despite the fact that we play tons of shows and, and if you, you know, in a lot of a lot of parties in Chicago, you could be like fuzzy bunnies of death and people are like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing them when I was like 16. Like, <laughs> but like, you know, for us, it was like we were already weirdos. We all met and the singer the first night that we met, the singer was like, hey, like, you know, like it was so it was me and uh, me and my partner at the time, who's still like a dear friend and then like uh, the singer and their partner at the time and like. The four of us met at Ozfest in 2003, and we all just got to talking, and we're and we were just all these weirdos. I was 16 at the time; the rest of them were 18. You went to 19. Ozfest. Yeah, I was 16. Damn. And um, <laughs> and I, you know, and like we all just kind of like we like joke. We we call it like we just like stalked each other for like from afar, like two different couples for like the whole afternoon because we're like, oh, they're so cool looking. I bet they don't want to talk to us. And then they were like, oh, they're so cool looking. I bet they don't want to talk to us. We already had, already had our, like, our flavor, our style and stuff. And then we met and converged and we were like, wow, your your stuff is so cool. And so each one of us loved what the other did already. And then Kanye was uh, like, our singer was like, I, I really want to have a band called the Fuzzy Bunnies of Death. It's Happy Death Metal. And we were like, huh. And it was like literally like two hours of meeting each other and the band was formed. And so we started hanging out. And after a couple of months of hanging out, we just started practicing and playing playing music. And then later that year, we played our first show. And it just it went on and on for, you know, we had breaks and stuff here and there. There were periods like, cause we were all like, you know, we we're very young when we started. I was literally, I was literally going into junior year of high school. And so like we, and like all of us have gone in and out of relationships, a couple of us in and out of marriages, a couple, you know, all, most of us in and out of college in that time or like traveling or whatever, like all you these mean like a vending machine. It's like a, like a vending machine, you know, you just pick out, you know, which chip you want to be for the day and 
You go on your merry way. <laughs> well, I mean, not really. I, I mean, just like the fuzzy bunnies was like, it was like a spine through the, that entire 12 years. So like all these other things changed and like, you know, but we had that that we always fell back on. You know what I mean like, by vending? You know what I mean by vending machine is where you try out one chip, you come back the next time you try something else out. Sometimes, you know, or sometimes you just want to be completely random. The vending machine is a representation of what you're going to choose to do and then what comes of it. I mean, no, we were all very intentional with what we were trying to create. There wasn't really much randomness to it. We prepped for each show. We had our props. We had our fake blood balloons. We had our, you know, we had our like live shows. We had our people that we interacted with in each show. You told me you had an organized band. You had very complete, organized. Oh my god, it's crazy. Yeah, we we had like we we only have one album that actually made it to Spotify, but we had three albums. We had a graphic novel, like we had a full fledged band. We went on tour, like we played shows. Like yeah, we were like we were a fully organized band. It was not at all impromptu. I mean, like the performances themselves were pretty impromptu, but we had set lists. We had structure to it. We knew which parts I would put the guitar down and then start playing with all the crazy props and shit. I mean, you think Gore is random? We were a lot like war, but like cuter <laughs> and queer. It, it's kind of a, it's a it's a different world. I mean, I feel like for people that are into kind of that genre, also, I feel like if if you kind of delve into, I'm I kind of love metal. I, I love alternative. I love punk rock and hard, you know, hardcore. Some sometimes I like hardcore. It depends on my mood. Okay, but. These genres were all created by freaks and weirdos, you know. I I mean, like, if you want, like, just a kind of vanilla, take, you know, take Johnny Waters from Pink Floyd. I mean, the man, he's a freak in a good way. I mean, Pink Floyd is an incredible band. You know, they got a lot of really, really interesting... Okay, you know, I'm just going to... Throw this out. I, I forgot the name of the song. There's one that's a, like a money song. They, the, <laughs> the instrument that's playing in the song is a cash register. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, a lot of bands in that period did stuff like that, like Velvet Underground did a lot of sort yeah. of like uh, environmental sounds incorporated into the music that they were playing. Yeah, the uh, viola. Um, John Cale had this, this crazy thing where violas used to... Uh, uh, duplicate the sound, you can kind of like, kind of like echo it where it would kind of make a shriek of a sound. You can find this in songs like Heroin, um, that's on the, the first Velvet Ground Underground, which is Velvet, Velvet Underground and Nico. Yeah. Uh, it's called Heroin. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, I mean, it's a great, they're a great band. Yes, they but are. But my point in describing what Fuzzy Bunnies yes. was, was that like, was that we just knew we had something inside of ourselves that we wanted to get out. And when we played on stage, it felt like other people recognized that too. And it was that weirdness. And it was like, you know, several of us were like queer people, but we were all like, you know, like what, uh, like, like we had, we had something that we just wanted to get out into the world and we wanted to share with people who were at our shows. And I think that is, the, you know, and one can say that that is the thing that had other people call us freaks and weirdos or that we embraced in being freaks and weirdos. Like, but we just knew that that, you know, same attracts same. Like we knew that we had to like get this craziness out of ourselves and it made us all much happier and more stable human beings because we were able to express that crazy right. in a healthy and constructive way. And I think that's the thing. That's where the container, that's where the safe container of 
you know, performing or performative uh, experiences goes is because you're able to create that kind of like, you're saying, you're giving people, here's a place and a time to be a crazy person. Here, come dressed in your best. Come dressed as a wild thing. And um, you're going to get to hang out with all these other people that are dressed like wild things who are throwing cotton candy and fake blood around and rolling around on the floor. And unicorns? We didn't have any unicorns. We didn't have any unicorns. Really? No, 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 no. None of us were into unicorns. I used to... I'll tell you this. I went to a... uh, Really we were fun- all stu- we had stuffed bunnies. I was, bunnies were our thing. Bunnies and skulls. <laughs> no, uh, what I I've been to I've been to shows like this where they used to throw stuffed animals uh, into the crowd, and I remember this because I remember a friend of mine he called a unicorn. Nice. And I just like love that you know like you're getting the audience involved, getting every oof, uh, you're getting everybody like hyped up and like. That's the thing is, is that like sometimes the audience will sometimes make the band. Uh, you know what? A uh, great example of this. Uh, we've talked about this before, like the Misfits. You know, if yeah. you ever like check out um, the Misfits, like when they're doing a concert, like the crowd goes crazy and they like get up there. That's like you're saying, like you know, like this is a place where well, we can all be yeah. crazy. That's what we did. I mean, I so like we didn't throw stuffed animals into the audience. We that literally had so stuffed animals. Stuff. We literally no, no. I mean, we did way more than that. We literally had giant rabbits that had the center stuffing of the heads pulled out, and we had bags with cotton candy sewn into the heads. So the singer would rip open the heads, and then we would force feed people cotton candy brains. And we had like an alien autopsy inside the alien. One time, we actually we got banned from a few different places for making them too messy because of the fake blood. And sometimes the beet juice. So we had a song called Spicy Beet Mall. And in that song, uh, uh, we, it's one, at first I was like, at the time I was like, like I had, I had a farm and I was like, I wanted it to be healthy. So we were going to give you, we actually made beet juice on stage and I, I gave people little cups of beet juice and that was just ridiculous. And then we, then we had little baby beets, tiny little beets, because we had a scene, a part where we had these, these, these words, different, like, uh, different kinds of beats. And we would have the crowd chant, like, you know, like our, our singer Connie would like shout the, like growl like the name of the beat and then people would be like beats 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 and we threw out these little baby beats into the audience and stuff and people would like and that got super messy and we got banned from a bar because of that but then we also had the alien autopsy this is the best one and we didn't think about the fact that ziploc containers are very good unless they're getting jostled around and so we had this whole alien autopsy plan and like an autopsy table and stuff and instruments and um inside of a ufo so we pulled the thing out and suddenly the brains just like they're made of like marshmallow mixed in with like uh you know like uh chair like a strawberry syrup and stuff and it's just mulchy and disgusting and as soon as we open it up it just spills all over the floor and then people are dancing in it it just gets all into like the it was so gross it, uh it was this venue in bridgeport called the orphanage and we got banned and I, we stayed there for three hours and we cleaned up afterwards and we still got banned but we got banned from a bunch of places because we made everything too sticky basically but our crowd participation wasn't just getting the crowd into, it was we like literally got the crowd into it we would you know and so then eventually we graduated to like uh, i made this big beat prop that had like these that like the um like it was like a, a three-dimensional paper mache beat and inside it had like an area where we could put a bag of space wet space space a space bag of wine like you know box wine and put it inside the beat and the little nozzle came out 
So then we just pour that in people's mouths and people would just drink the, from the beet and suckle from the beet. And so there's lots of photos and stuff of like people just like, you know, like it's like we're like baptizing them in beet juice and they're just are like suckling on it. Like it's like a teat. It's great. It's so fun. And that was the kind of audience participation that we had. Um, or like, and then we had these, these rainbow worms and people would like jump rope with these rainbow <laughs> worms and stuff. But we had certain people in the audience that we would, you know, they would know beforehand they'd come to all of our shows and they would be like our people from the audience who were, you know, semi seemingly random that would then be brought into the show to like interact with us. But they were like, they were like our homies. They were our friends that would help us move the gear and stuff too. And a couple of them even went on tour with us. <laughs> it was um, really fun, but it was all yeah. very organized. It was like controlled chaos. You know, like you thought that you, you would watch it, think this is insanity. And then you'd see if you actually hung out with us, you'd see that like, it was like a week of planning beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I kind of like, uh, you know, uh, we, we've spoken about this. We're, um, I do play guitar. Um, I mm-hmm. have been playing for about a year <clears throat> and I, this is one of those things where you have to have experience playing an instrument to understand this. When you have an instrument, it kind of becomes like another, another part of you. It becomes this Sell, like this different like alien version of you expressing yourself um and sometimes we, we write our best shit when we're the deepest and our darkest shit and, totally yeah i mean some of my best i write books and stuff too and some of my best writing from my books has been from when i've been in the worst situations or when the worst mental spaces yeah um but i did i did write a song Yes, and, you did, and it sounds great, and you should play it. <laughs> uh, should I play it? God. <laughs> All right, hold on. Be kind, be kind on the internet, but it's a beautiful song. I heard it earlier. Well, I mean, I've been kind of trying to perfect this, you know, because <laughs> this is kind of like... I will say this, and like I don't know who like wrote the songs in your band. Some the singer writing. wrote the music, or no? So the singer wrote the lyrics, and then we all just kind of jammed until we found something that worked around the rest of it. I played guitar and I made props, um, but guitar was what I did in the show and um, or in the in the in the band. And then um, yeah, so our singer and the lyrics were not; they were all these crazy nonsensical things. And then like we also had a graphic novel that the singer and I illustrated that went kind of along with the story. It was it was really funny, but it was all this very fantastical, crazy bullshit, but also like like cutesy, funny gore. It was great. Um, but the singer <laughs> would come up with the lyrics or a concept, and then we would all just like, and then like usually the drummer would kind of start with a little bit of the, we had like four different drummers, five and like, <laughs> usually mo- two usually most bands are like this. I know. Yeah. You always have so many, cause drummers are such a hot commodity. It's hard to get good drummers. Like yeah. drummers are the hardest ones. Everybody else yeah. can kind of bullshit look, a little what bit. Like to and, the Beatles, like they got stuck with Ringo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah I mean, if you, if you don't have a good drummer, your band is really, it's, it's got a lot of difficulties, but so usually the drum, like it'd Not be the, the Beatles, drum though. or the bass. Yeah, it'd be the drummer, the bass that would like kind of start with the, with 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 the singer first, and then 
me and you know and then me and the keyboardist would kind of join in or the bass or whoever was the third other one and but it was always a little bit of rhythm first so you had like a little bit of like a like a crunchy spine to the song and then we just kind of come at it from there but we never really we talked about things a lot more conceptually than like technically because none of us well it's funny because our, our keyboards and our drummers were more like technical musicians, but the three of us were, we were more visual artists. Like I'm, you know, visual immersive artist and writer, like a uh, right. you know, book writer. And then our, our, our bassist is like, now he's a wonderful art teacher and just amazing and an amazing oil painter. And then our singer was like a fashion designer and visual artist. So it's like, all of us were like more of these art kid fashionista, little fucking freaks. And then we had some people who had like some musical knowledge as well. Believe it or not, <laughs> sometimes the greatest, the greatest songwriters usually are like artists, you know, they're, um, they do fashion, they do paper machés, you know, they do all this shit. Um, anyway, uh, this song is called Weirdos and Freaks, and it's probably going to sound like shit, and I'm sorry I'm putting you through all of this. But it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore right. the quality of the recording, but yes. it's great as a song. <laughs> Walking as far as I can see no one wants me we Now 
That's it. That's the whole song. Golf clap. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> well, if we're in the uh, poet society, hold on. Yeah. If we're in the poet society, they do the thing with the, you know, the snap from the fingers. Oh yeah, snap the fingers. <laughs> or if you're in an Occupy Wall Street meeting. I think also like uh, something we didn't touch on is the word queer. The, the, a lot of people like to use the word queer, and uh, I think some people. Not all people, but I think like a good thing to always remember is the word queer was actually a derogatory term. It was used to describe people that were off or off-putting, um, strange. And we will sometimes take words that will have a negative context or create a better positive context, like the words gay um, is another example of this. Trans is another great example. Believe it or not, trans is one of those words. And I think weirdos and freaks is the same thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, like, I've always referred to myself as a self-proclaimed weirdo, but no, queerness, I mean, yeah, queerness, queer, you know, calling somebody a queer used to be, like, a really, like, it was in the 70s, it used to be, like, like, it used to be, like, worse than calling someone the, the gay F word. And, like, the gay F word was something that was more socially acceptable than the 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 q word but then things have kind of changed over the years and now nobody uses that term except for other gay dudes who think it's funny to call each other the gay f word but <laughs> like i can't i shouldn't say it you know like i can, you say, can it. say it you can say it i can definitely <laughs> say like, it right now but i'm definitely not gonna say it <laughs> right exactly <laughs> but like you know but it's like it's, it's sort of like it's sort of like the n-word for people who are um, African-American and like where it's like you can say it if you want to say it to each other in a way where you're embracing it but you're not allowed to say it if you're not part of that directly part of that community even if you are part of the queer community whereas queer is something that has become um, completely socially acceptable as a term to refer to the entire LGBTQ AI plus community the entire thing and so the queer community now is an umbrella queer is an umbrella for anybody who is just not heteronormative cisgendered but then there's sort of like the subset of that of like gender queer, which is like myself, which is more like gender fluid, um, like where you're non-binary, you do not. And those each have their own. I mean, there's now there's like over 40 definitions of under the queer I think umbrella, in a so. short, I think in a short way. And like I'm one of those people that I, I try to put it in a simpler context. Look at it like this. If you have a woman, a person that a person that feels comfortable wearing a fleeced shirt, buttoned down, a pair of jeans, a pair of jeans, and a pair of boots. And doesn't want to wear makeup. That's how she feels, and she walks around, and she may have sex with women, or she may have sex with men. It doesn't matter. The point is that's what makes her feel comfortable. And because some people, I don't know, a very long time ago decided, well, this is for men, and this is for you know what, you fuckers, you. You wore heels. Men wore heels in the 1700s. Yeah. I'm and like, makeup. more makeup than women. There's like, yes, there's certain garments that are maybe towards one gender more than the other. But all honesty, 
It's just clothes. It's well, just makeup. Well, but it's not just about the clothes, though. It's about how you feel in your body and whether you feel like Correct. you actually identify with what you're born with. Right. But like, the, but and the thing is, like, and this is something that I always, I always think it's like, yes, to people who, to people who it doesn't matter to, gender doesn't matter. But to people who gender does matter for, and there are many, especially if we talk about how the the rise of it in like the Gen Z people, which is technically your generation, um, you know, like the and the younger millennials, and like how how much of that has been con- points of conversation and contention and and uh, power. Um, gender is extremely important and pronouns are extremely important and how a person is referred to is a sign of respect of that person as an individual. Um, so it's like, it's not about the eye of the beholder. It's purely about the person who's experiencing the thing who wants, who desires that, that way of being referred to. You see, like we've said that I, we, we've talked about this before, you know, referring to me by the generation that I was, I was born in. The problem for me is, is that I was raised in a very close community. So my, my, like my version of what is wrong and what is right is very sheltered. It's very, um, it's very solidified. And I didn't start to be able to see the world for what it really was until about six years ago. But the thing that I've realized over the time is I have my beliefs and I have my philosophy. And I know what I see, and I want an explanation. But at the same time, we also have to remember that we don't need people to self-define us. We need to be able to live our lives and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I have to offer. I'm not changing myself for you because this is me. Take what you will, but that's all you're going to get. Because that's, that's all that there is. By you shifting and molding and changing yourself constantly throughout your life to fit different boxes and different categories all you're doing is limiting yourself to one but that's reality not what it is i don't think i think that i i think that i don't think it's shifting and molding yourself so you fit into boxes i think it's it's finding because when you find things that make sense to you and you find the terms or the ways of looking or the ways of, of ex- exp- expressing yourself or if you rename yourself, like the euphoria that you feel, it's not about anybody but yourself. It's about you and your relationship with you. It's like, oh, I finally make sense of my own skin. Yeah, but who's to, about, say, who's to say the euphoria is even real? Who's to say that the you, environment they're in? It, the individual. It, the individual says it's real. Yeah, but it's it a, has, it, yeah, it's nothing to do with the outside world. Yeah, but it could be a now moment. It could just be a now. Who's to say that it is any way positive in the future? Well, all we have, all we ever have is now. You can only live for now. There's no such thing. I mean, tomorrow is tomorrow. You you have no idea if you're going to be here tomorrow. You have no idea if you're going to be here a year from now. So like that you can only live for now. Ultimately, you can plan for the future and hope for the future, but there's no way that you can do anything other than now. So if, if that's how you feel in this moment, that's, that is what you need to honor and appreciate. And that's what you need to live by. Like, there's no such thing like permanence doesn't exist everything like life is a constant experiment from one moment to the next you have no guarantees we might get off the phone i might go to the grocery store and get hit by a truck i might be dead tomorrow we don't know like there's so all i can do is make the best choices for now for today and move forward with that with the hope that there is tomorrow yeah i understand that what i'm trying to say is in regards to where you have many people that will be too lazy to do anything about their situation and kind of shift and mold themselves into those boxes because that is the only way that they can survive or they think is the only way that they can survive. But I don't necessarily, 
I don't believe in that philosophy. I believe that you're right. We we do live in a temporary world. We can be dead in a minute. I could be dead on yeah. this podcast right now. This would be fucking be pretty freaking weird, but it could happen. <laughs> it's true. There could be a hurricane, or I could. Yeah. There could be an earthquake in LA. Yeah. You know, like there's there's a million things that could happen at any oh, given yeah, time. Hundred percent. So you can't say, oh, I might not want to feel. I might not feel this way in ten years. So I'm not going to do it now. Like you doing it now might give it open the door to the rest of your life in the life that you truly want to live. So the happiness that you're feeling now is the feeling that you're feeling right now is the only thing that can be true fundamentally because everything could change tomorrow. You only have this, you only have right now. And if you, you know, and so if you are feeling that, you know, and then, and you feel that you are, you know, more akin to one form of expression or one term, one front, whatever, like do that. And if you change your mind later, you're allowed to do that because people are allowed to change their minds. Nobody has to commit to anything like to, about themselves forever. You know, it's like we are constantly in transition and flux as, as, as beings. I, I, I do, I do have a problem though with limitations. When I say limitations, what I mean by we sometimes will have a limitation due to monetary reasons. We can have them due to personal, um, mental reasons. And the hardest part is until you're over the hump, you know, you're over the hill and you can see the other side. It's very hard to stay positive with that mindset. And people have sometimes a very hard time understanding you because when I say to somebody, and I'm saying from my own experience, you know, I'm doing a podcast, you know, I'm going to school to do nails. I generally would get a positive reaction, but I will get those times of people like, well, how are you supposed to survive? Like, are, how are you going to make money? You know, oh, don't yes. you want to be successful? And to me, success is important. But it's the success of me being able to do it the way I want to do it. Yes. It's my living success. By your, uh, living by your own uh, rules, basically. Yeah. Well, of, of course. But that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like I think in, find, in people embracing all these different new concepts in terms of identity and stuff, that is living by your own rules. It's creating your own rules. It's not checking a box. It's saying that, I, you know, like – I've created, you know, I've created this new box or other people that feel, I feel that I resonate with have created this new box. And, and this is, you know, it's, it's not about the box though. It's about, it's about the freedom to choose whatever you want and the freedom to, and the freedom to, and also I think more than that, it's being seen like why I think that stuff is important is, is it's for a lot of people, they haven't ever felt seen. They feel like they've always been, and it's not like, it, there are people who are like, fuck yeah, I'm choosing to be an outlier. You know, like you're, it's a choice to be the freak and the weirdo, right? But there are people who have only ever really wanted to live a normal life and they feel like the world is never going to give them that because the world doesn't recognize them as human being. And for that, the identity yeah. is extremely important and the recognition yeah. is extremely important because there, there are lots of us who are like, yeah, I'm a weirdo. It's great. You know, freak, freak flag high and all right, that But stuff. if you're a part of the middle class, you're kind of fucked. But it's not even middle class. It's like sometimes like I've met a lot of people who are, you know, kind of in in queer community who just want to have they just they don't they don't care about the pride parade. They don't care about the craziness or the or, you know, like any of the the shit that's out there. They care about just being able to support their family and live a nice, quiet little life without being considered a freak. Yeah. And I'm like and that's just as valid. Yeah. I relate with those people very well. I do feel that way sometimes. 
And I do kind of abide to that in some ways where I feel like I should have every right to exist and live. I don't give a fuck that I like penises and you find that to be kind of off-putting. Sorry, that's what I'm into. You know, I like dressing kind of kinky. That's off-putting. Well, sorry, that's how I feel comfortable. You know, I don't have to express or explain myself to anyone. I live by this rule, which is I will respect you. I still believe that what you're doing is fucking stupid. 100%. I disagree with you. But I respect you as a person, as an acquaintance, a friend, or family member. That that is yeah. how that that is my dynamic. Yeah, I mean, that's like a whole other thing, though, too, because I feel like there are some people who are just sort of like, if you if you disagree with me, then I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I've always felt, I've always Sorry. not felt that way. <laughs> I have, I don't feel that way because I personally, I feel like if you don't educate people about things and if you write them off and you say like, well, this person is bad because they think this or they don't think that then you're never giving them the opportunity to change their mind. And you're also never giving them or yourself the opportunity to grow into a common understanding of why the other person is the way they are. And I think that, you know, and I think that, yes, there are certain things that are like, there are certain things that are more extremely like, well, if you, you know, like we, we talked about Nazis last week, like, yeah. you know, like that kind of a thing. There there are certain things where literally just that belief system is believing that other people shouldn't exist. And that's kind of messed up. And I don't think there is much justification for that. But understanding why that that mentality exists is extremely important for us to move forward and heal as a, as a world, as a globe. And I think for that, it's like there was this, um, there was this Netflix documentary that came out well, it's like a series of them, but there was one that was about this this woman who she looked cool. Like she, she honestly, like how she looks now is like you see her on the street and you'd be like, oh, she's probably into some interesting things. She's like cute. She's like winged eyeliner, all black, you know. And like she turns out she used to be one of the like trad wife kind of neo Nazi women in of the Proud Boy movement back like several years ago. And like her whole story, and it's fucking wild because like you're like obvious, you know. I went into it being like this is crazy um but like knowing why this person was the way that they were and why they made these choices that ended up you know uh, dramatically hurting other people and oppressing other people and largely being kind of like a a part of part of a movement that killed people right you know like understanding why somebody makes those choices is integral to not making those choices and to educating people around what those choices actually mean and towards just growing and healing as a globe. Like if you don't know why those people that you disagree with do the things that you disagree with, then you have no way to talk to them. You just write them off and in writing them off, that's otherizing them in the same way that they're otherizing you. I'm not defending these people, but I am saying, ask them why they think like that. What is it about them? Like find out what it is that makes somebody turn towards that. Why do they feel justified in thinking, you know, white nationalism is a good idea or like thinking, you know, like anti-gay stuff is a good idea or any of that kind of stuff. Like what is it? Primarily, it again comes back to this. And eventually I think we're going to do an episode on this. I like to call it the fear paradox. It's this, it's this kind of like octagon. And on each corner, you have different levels of fear. And imagine if you have a, uh, you know, like kind of the the hands of a clock. 
and you can move the hands and point it to the different walls of the octagon. And each level of fear is going to show you a, a different layer of the different fuckery that people have done over the years. You know, you take, you know, we're talking about this right now, fascism. If you, if you read about fascism, uh, I, you know, if you're one of those people that can handle Mein Kampf, be my guest. Um, but in short, it, in, in theory, it sounds kind of off-putting. It's like, okay, you know, the idea is like this. You have a supreme race... You have other races that work for the supreme race, and they're district and categorized into different departments throughout the government. And this way, everyone knows what they're doing, everyone has their job in their place, and they know what their goal is. But then you have people like the white nationalists that come years later after segregation was abolished in this country, and after they unfortunately successfully slaughtered Martin Luther King. Dr. Martin Luther King, and they said, we deserve to have our pride in our community. These people, they're taking it away from them. They twisted the whole scenario. To be honest, you know what the black communities probably just wanted? Probably just wanted to come home to their wife and kids. Yeah. Have fun on exactly. a Sunday. Just like the white people they just, did. Well, they just wanted to exist without having a systemically racist country trying to tell them they shouldn't exist and killing their young men for having a missing tail light. Like that's what they want in the same way that everybody else wants to wants. And that's why, you know, and that's kind of furthering like why rec recognition, representation, all that stuff is so important is because mostly what people want is just to live a peaceful life. Like some people want to be the movers and the shakers and that's totally cool. But a lot of people just want to be able to exist comfortably and survive. You forgot about the swingers and thrillers. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, but the thing is understanding like, like going into, you know, this is why I think for me, like, you know, we talked about Jeffrey Dahmer a couple weeks ago, but like why I think that like true crime is so interesting and stuff like that is so interesting is because you, un you, you get into the minds of these people that do these bad things and you're like, why did, why do they do the bad thing when other people don't? Like, what is it? Cause it's not like yeah, it's nobody question. has, you know, and that's kind of, that's why I think this stuff is so interesting. Cause it's like, it's not like, you know, people have ever, like most people have intrusive thoughts to some degree. Right. Most people have negative thoughts to some degree. Most people mm -hmm. have bad opinions about X, Y, or Z, like I mean, whatever you're thinking. I could say this, I've had thoughts about murdering the bullies in my past, okay? Just one great example. And I'm gonna be graphic right now because I'm being true to myself. I had one kid that bullied me for seven years. I swear to God, there were nights I had dreams of just dragging him and just breaking his fucking legs with a pipe. Sure. And then taking a clothing rack and fucking strangling him to death. And that sounds like really gruesome. I would never do that. But the reason why I felt that way is he he pushed me to that limit. He made me so ashamed and embarrassed and inflicted of myself that I didn't even want to exist in itself. That is a form of what you're talking about, like the dark thoughts in our minds. But the, the layer with these people are is it's not even that. There, there's a there's a there's a layer above it that attracts them to physically and actually murdering people. 
Yes. Yeah. That, right. But like, but why? Right. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Why. And that's what I think is so interesting. It's like, but why? And because even more so once you get into some, once you get into, okay, like here, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to go completely left field for yeah. a second, but come back to it. Okay. We're hitting like, the ball. The ball's going high. Whoa. It, there it goes. There it goes. Oh, where's it going? It's, go, it's going to insane clown posse. <laughs> yeah. That's where it's going. So I don't know how familiar you are with the culture of insane clown posse and the entire, the, the whole scene of murder rap. I don't know how familiar you are with this. I was never um, a juggalette or juggalo. But, okay. But so I am. I knew a lot of them. Okay. And, so, okay. So I okay. So let's just break this down. I I am familiar with, um, satanic, satanic rock and satanic punk. Completely different. Technically, ICP is a Christian band. It has nothing to do with each other. Okay, so you have to and, give me. You got to give me like something that I relate to. It's not. Let me just not explain satanic. it. It's it's, it's completely not satanic. It's completely out of. It's a whole different thing. Whole different ballpark of the universe of music. Okay. Um, it starts in Detroit. Um, also, they have like a lifelong feud with Eminem, which is hilarious. ICP, mm-hmm. Insane Clown Posse, was two guys. Uh, it was um, uh, Shaggy, Two Dope, and Violent J. And they sing songs that are some of the sickest, most fucked up stuff they had. They And they started Psychopathic Records. Um, that, why do I know all about this? Because for some reason in my senior and junior year in high school at Lane Technical High School in Chicago, Illinois, in fucking a magnet college prep high school, for some reason, the largest subcultural demographic we had towards the last like year or two of my school was juggalos. I don't understand. I have no idea why, but I ended up learning a lot about ICP just through osmosis of being a weirdo who smoked weed and stuff. And like (laughs) all of you, you y'all end up hanging out together, right? Like, so like basically... You have this entire subculture, and they still exist, and they still have they have a gathering of the juggalos, which is sort of like Burning Man for juggalos, um, and they, where it's just a it's and like you know they spray their audience with Fago. They uh, it, it's like they, they, it's wait, big, wait, 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 girl, back the fuck up. What did you just say? They spray their people with Fago. Fago. It's a it's a really sugary, cheap drink, and Ugh. it became Fago is like the official drink of the juggalos. It's a whole <sighs> subculture. I honestly, <sighs> I highly recommend you look into it because it's I interesting. Really don't. If you don't know any, <laughs> well, if you don't know anything about it, it, what is so interesting to me is okay. But there was a reason I'm bringing all of this up. Yeah, because we went completely off the ballpark from yes, weirdos and freaks. But, yeah. No, but so here, no, we're not though. And here, I'm going to tie it back together in terms of talking about things that are violent. So like, so ICP later, many, many years later came out that they were actually like a Christian band um, or they have, they are Christian. That's the band isn't, but they themselves are Christian. They believe that they are trying to basically help steer the people who have these negative and violent thoughts and and horribly abusive upbringings and things and tendencies towards violence into the right direction by creating community for them and that was what they were doing the entire time you would never know that <laughs> like honestly i don't know if that's something they came up with much later and they just like decided to throw that on and they're when they're like you know almost 50 years old or whatever but like that's basically what they're claiming many years later but what did happen i, I saw a lot of kids become juggalos and they were generally kids who came from families where there was like child abuse and some sex, you know, essay abuse. I'm just worried about this. I'm just worried about that. All right. Yeah. I'm just a little worried. So about you have, this. so you have yeah. these places where people can go to the concerts and these, it's some of the most, I was never a fan again, but like, I know a lot about it and it's just some of the most twisted concepts of things that they would sing about. But that would give these people a sense of catharsis because they can't go out and, you know, kill their 
grandpa who's abusing them. They can't go out and do the things that are that are hurting them. That, I mean, they can't go out and affect the violence against people that are hurting them. So it gives them a safe container to, to express that in these fucking lunatic, crazy shows and music. And it's a, they're able to go that far and then feel like they can handle the rest of life because they can go that far in their mind without going that far in reality. My input on this is is this. I'm really, really uh, kind of afraid of you put people that are to the level like they want to murder somebody and they, they can actually do it if they wanted to. Like, they're at that point. And you put this them in this room of this violent music. I, I mean, like, they could start a riot and then start murdering each other. I mean, there's so well, many... But they don't want... Because they don't want to, though. That's the thing. It's... They... they those juggalos... It's, you know, it's a kind of crazy subculture, but they're How does it even truly work? kind of loving people because they, they, they're able to go into the dark place together and find their way out. And it's so it's like yeah. it truly is like a like, you know, of the people that are there. I mean, there's obviously I'm not saying it's like it's 100 percent foolproof, but it's the same thing as, you know, uh, Cradle of Filth or Demi Borgia, people who bond over black metal and death metal and like that whole subculture of things. People who got music really like metal, like all that stuff where it goes into the darkest places and you're, you might be moshing and you might be like, you know, going, going into some crazy spaces, but then afterwards you don't feel violent. You don't feel like hurting people. You feel, it feels like catharsis. And that's what Fuzzy Bunnies would do. Like you tap into the dark space and the space where you don't feel like you can get out because and then you're able to find other people in that space and you don't feel like taking you don't feel like being violent you feel like you feel like you were able to express this beauty creatively like or like the darkness creatively and it's come so, out the other end of it yeah i mean it's just it's a very hard um it's a very hard uh, you know thing to to kind of understand and be able to contemplate because the way I've seen things for a very long time is the environments you choose yourself to be in, if they're toxic, they will take you down with you. And you're right, like there isn't a foolproof plan for most things. I, I you know, I've had that question before that asked that um it's been asked is, you know, I'm into metal and I had one somebody that asked me, they're like, Oh, so like you're into death metal. I don't even say like what kind of genre. I'm into electronic international and grunge and death sometimes i'm not a very big fan of death metal but it's one of uh, kind of um and like she didn't even like bother to ask me like which genre like she just immediately jumped to that one and that's not really what bothered me about the whole situation what really kind of bothered me about the whole situation was the fact that I felt ignored, you know? I mean, I kind of felt like I was being told who I am, what I like, right. and what I do. It's so stupid. Well, there, it's cause, so cause you're stupid. Being, you're being, yeah, because you're being categorized as something that you're not, and that's why those, sub, those dual delineations are so important, because you have to have those delineations that make the distinction of what you are versus what you're not. And, like... You know, I don't know. Like, I, I grew up, I, I knew a lot of metalheads growing up. I grew up with a lot of metalheads. I dated metalheads and stuff. And, like, 
you know, my band, we called ourselves happy death metal, but it was a lot more, it was more like punk music, but it, it, it had death metal vocals and stuff. Um, but like, it's like metalheads are some of the happiest people you'll meet because they're, they get all that aggression out through performing or through being in the mosh pit, through listening to it. And that's kind of my point is like, Art is not meant to be easily digestible. It's not meant to be understood by people, by everybody. It's meant to be understood by the people that it speaks to. And if you don't understand it, then that just means it's not meant for you. But that doesn't mean that it's not meant for somebody and that it doesn't save somebody's life. It, it will find the people that it is meant to speak to and it will, and it will reach them and it will touch them when it needs to. And that's why I think that like the reason I brought up the whole ICP thing was because I think that like the fact that that is an entire concept that that genre exists of like murder rap um, is wild to me. But at the same time to the people who struggle with, you know, and we're talking like a lot of the fan base for that stuff is people who deal with like real severe, like abuse at home and like, not just like, cycle not not like like way worse than i think that like i've experienced i I can't speak for you but like some demented shit and that's their outlet that's and and the reason that stuff speaks to them is because those people sing about that stuff and more than that is because they're able to go to to a show or like find a forum online or whatever and it doesn't speak to me i mean that stuff doesn't speak to me i never really enjoyed it but like i did talk to a lot of people because we used to you know in high school you all make fun of each other like like you might all be part of the same general subculture but you all poke fun at what the other one loves if it's not the same thing as you right so like you know like i'd be like okay like why do you like it? why why what is cool why i don't really get it you know i talk to people and they'd be like oh it's like it's like a family but like it's because of all you know like it's it's the you go through the same tough shit and then you find you find your family and they call each other family like that they juggle as call each other family which is kind of cool i mean i I love like i don't like the music but like (laughs) it speaks to them and it's it speaks to them because they have found other people to feel that pain with i think i love how like you take you take a really like burly man, okay? You know, you're probably about like six foot two. I've met people like this. You know, they're kind of got muscles, they work out, they wear jeans, they wear a t shirt. They're really masculine. And then all of a sudden you find out that like out of like that tough skin and like they're into like the hard rock, you know, like the hard music and, and, you know, like playing fastball, you know, and doing like all the man stuff. And their favorite song is Dancing Queen by ABBA. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I love that because it shows you their freak side. Like they have, first of all, they're a man, they're gay, and they're into ABBA. And it doesn't make any sense you doesn't make any sense but to this guy he wants to be masculine he likes to work out in the gym he also likes guys and he happens to have a thing for abba right totally that's where weirdos and freaks kind of play in our everyday life you'd be very surprised being gay being heterosexual being 
uh, non-binary, all of, this doesn't need a fucking label. Like, somebody doesn't have to walk around wearing a black t-shirt and say, because I'm wearing a black t-shirt, that means that I'm non-binary. If I wear a purple shirt, that means, like, people don't have to explain to you their life that but way. But at some point, for some people, they do. And I think that you need to respect the people who want yeah. to do that as much as the people who don't want to. No, of course. It's not, it's not your But you don't have to do business. it, though. You're but not I'm required saying, to do it. But, no, but some people feel more comfortable doing it. Personally, right. I feel more comfortable doing it because I don't want to be mis- misunderstood by people. Being misunderstood is a very is a very big thing for me. Being misinterpreted, being seen as what as something other than what I am. I like to be seen for exactly what I am in every in every case that I can, you know, can be in. Yeah. And so like yeah, for me, 100%. talking about that stuff is very important. Granted, nobody should be required to talk about it. But if that's something that's important to you, you should absolutely have the space to be able to do yeah, that. But you you know what I mean though? It's where <clears throat> this this stigma of being this you should be, you know, you should be representing yourself like this and this and this. Meaning where if you have, I'll give you a great example of this, and I feel like in a way it has helped and has also hurt. A lot of television shows have kind of hurt the gay community a lot in the past 20 or 30 years because they create these characters of how we're supposed to be represented. And it's sometimes put into the media this way, especially now, where we're getting represented in this view of light. Well, what about the rest of us? I don't really 100% agree with that philosophy. I don't believe there's such a thing as a gay language. I don't fucking believe that we walk around going, la 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 la, hey girl. Like, we don't all do that shit. Some of us are more feminine. Some of us are more masculine. Some women are more butch. Some women are not. Some women are more feminine. That's just who they are as a person. And that's the thing Correct me if I'm wrong on this. I think that's the thing where, where we take words like weirdos and freaks and we make them we kind of like, you know, it's fluff, you know, like fucking, you know, you know, uh, uh, cotton candy. <laughs> and we just make it bigger than it is. It's all we're saying is this is who I am. This is how I like to represent myself. That's it. Just no, no, no explanation, no... No crazy reason, no insane story. This is well, who I am. To, to some, but yeah. like I'm saying, to others, like myself, it is the story is as important as the thing itself. Right. The reason behind it is as important as the thing itself. And so I do want people to listen to what I'm saying about it and why and ask why. You know, like that, it's not, some people don't want to have to talk about that and other people volunteer to. I don't really like talking who, about it. Well, right, but I'm saying you don't have to. There are lots of people who do, including myself. There, that's kind of what I'm, my, what I'm getting at. Right. Like, it you shouldn't it shouldn't be a requirement to explain yourself. But there are lots of people who want to explain themselves, and for that, there needs to be, you know, methods of expressing that, or right. like there needs to be a respect in hearing that. Not everybody wants to talk about it, but some people can't wait to talk about it. Right. And both of those are just as valid. They are. Damn. <laughs> this is uh this has been it's been one hell of an hour. Uh it's true. By the way, in terms of gay like a gay couple that I thought was always kind of very sweetly represented in a way that wasn't like over the top, 
and wasn't and was like pretty settled was did you ever watch that show six feet under it was like around in the mid 90s an hbo show is about this family that runs a funeral home so the brother one of the brothers i think is the actor who later went on to play dexter but this is like way before that show existed um i think this show came out in like 2000 or something and like uh the, there was one brother who was gay and his partner is african-american they had like a daughter and the two of them were not like gay stereotypes they were just two guys that were in a like loving relationship and i always thought that was a really beautiful representation because it wasn't like that was like when a lot of like mainstream i mean this is like you know think like it, around you know around the turn of 2000 yeah like a lot of mainstream stuff like will and grace or like um um what's the male version of the l word what's that show it's um a, a queer as folk like queer as folk or like, um, you know, uh, queer eye for a straight guy. And it was all this very over the top, like very, you know, kind of more flamboyant gay archetypes. And then you had, uh, you had this show where like, they were kind of more like what you're talking about, where it's like, you wouldn't necessarily know unless they were talking about it, that these right. characters were gay. And I thought that was cool because it was like still very respectful of them. It was respectful of these characters. Like they're honestly some of the best characters in the show, but they were not over the top. They were not overly flam. They were, or they were not flamboyant. They were just two men who are in a relationship. Uh, you should watch it. It's good. It's a good show. <laughs> and with that, I, <clears throat> I feel like we leave off with this with weirdos and freaks is you want to express yourself, go right ahead. If you don't, you don't have to. The thing is we, sometimes use these extreme words because they show a deeper message of us not being misunderstood and being seen for who what who we are as people and uh <clears throat> she this has been a weird week i know it's been a weird week for you um this yeah is, totally this has been a interesting journey uh we'll see you guys <laughs> and goyles uh sometime in the future and on the critters next. and days. Yes. And all the above, etc. 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 Anyway, we love you. We hope you go to sleep right. And uh, we'll see you. Who knows? We'll see. I don't know. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Bye. Okay.